wicked, wicked fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. G'day everyone, Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. This is my last interview episode before I'm back on Monday with a Monday motivation episode and I'm back to live streaming with those seen and heard episodes on Friday. Hope you've enjoyed all the interviews I lined up for you while I am taking a break. And if you have been enjoying them, and you know what I'm going to say. Please support the show however you can. Jump on Twitter, on LinkedIn, uh, rate and review the show, all those good things. Uh, really, really, like you wouldn't believe how much it helps. Um, the difference, like one or two people make a massive difference. So, uh, yeah, please, like if you are a fan, you know, like I've said before, the success of my podcast is in your hands. So uh, if you're getting a lot of value out of this, please consider uh, helping me as well. Really, really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who has been supporting the show as well. I know there's heaps of you. So thank you so much of that. You're the people that help me to get the podcast charting. So more people can find out about this. And I mean, I have so many people saying to me, like, this has been more helpful than the stuff that I learned in this course I paid like 2000 bucks for. And I wish I would have known about this sooner. And so I love getting those kind of messages where people are like, thank you so much. Um, as well. So if you've been enjoying this, you're getting a lot of value, please feel free to also reach out to me and let me know. So today I'm speaking with the Obi-Wan Kenobi of networking. Her name's Christine Smith. She is over in New York and we talk about the future of networking, what that looks like. I mean, one, without having to bang on about it, 2020 has been a weird year for all of us, right? We've heard it a million times, like we know, we know what, what the deal is this year. So how do you network? Um, I think a lot of people have adjusted to that digital environment and, and how to do that. But Christine sh shares some great tips in terms of that, in terms of what you can do virtually and why networking is so important for business. And, uh, you know, I couldn't agree more as you'll hear in this episode, it has been so powerful for me to have a network to leverage. It means I don't have to do all those annoying cold calls, which if you've been a listener on the show for a while, you know I hate uh, and have all these awkward conversations that go nowhere and just waste a bunch of time, right? Uh, what we want to do is meet the people who we can cooperate with and collaborate with, you know. So that's what we're talking about in today's episode. If you want to find out more about Christine, obviously you want to head over to LinkedIn. So I'll share her LinkedIn profile link in the show notes. And guys, if you want to go the extra mile to support the show, don't forget you can buy me a cup of coffee on Ko-fi. So if you're a regular listener, please consider doing that. Um, or if you're not a regular listener and you really like the show, that's awesome too. I'm not going to say no to that. But if you are, you know, if you, you're listening to this, this is like three episodes a week. So you're getting like 12 episodes a month for three bucks. I mean, that's like sense. That's like, it's not even a dollar per episode. So please consider doing that. Uh, really, really helps to keep me going 
Uh, and it's also great to know that the show's appreciated and valued. So anything that you can do there, awesome. If you can't afford it, if you're like, Lauren, you know, I'm listening to this because I need to improve my business first, that's cool. When you're ready, head over to Kofi. It's ko-fi.com forward slash Lauren Cress, and the link is in the show notes. All right, we're just about to get on to the main part of the episode. There'll be a little quick ad break here for some of you. For some of you, there won't be. Awesome if there's not. Uh, and then we'll get on to the main part of the show. Enjoy. G'day, everyone. Lauren Cress, the business scientist here. Hope you're all doing well. I'm hoping this is streaming to LinkedIn today because yesterday I had some problems. I've got Christine Smith with me here. She is the Obi-Wan Kenobi of networking and we're talking about the power of networking today. So Christine, to start with, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. So thank you so much, Lauren, for having me on today. It's, it's a pleasure. Um, so a little bit about what I do in a nutshell, I guess, um, is I teach people how to build community and network intentionally. So let's talk a little bit about why is networking so important and what have you seen happen over the last few years with networking like what are some of the things that because uh, I feel like we've kind of maybe lost a bit of sight of how important networking is so can you can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so um I feel like uh people attribute networking as this old school thing and it's just mm -hmm. for a certain type of person I feel like it's like a just an old man's club type of thing. Yeah. And people usually attribute networking and it's kind of like a bad, it has a bad name to it, unfortunately. And I think that's because how networking was done in the past, people just hand their card and say, oh, hey, contact me when you need blah, blah, blah. And there's nothing else. There's no bond. There's no relationship. So what I'm trying to to change is the fact that there should be. <laughs> it is a relationship. And it's not just, you know, you have a big Rolodex, but does everybody in your Rolodex actually know who you are when you call? And reestablishing those really strong relationships that people really want. I mean, we're humans, we're not robots, right? We we thrive on emotion and we want to connect with somebody, but I, I find that people know actually how to network very well. That's that's how we find spouses. That's how we have friends. That's how we, um, you know, build our build our other circles. But as soon as someone puts a professional hat on, they're like, I don't know what to do. So I'll just go back to a word track that sounds right and what someone else taught me how to do. And we'll try and sell somebody because I got to pay my mortgage. And when you have that scarcity mindset fueled by fear and judgment, you get what we get, right? What people spill our DMs and people word vomit on us and they're like, you should buy my whatever. And you're like, ah, I need to run away. <laughs> so you can have a more impactful conversation. You can talk about what you do without selling. You can um, have a relationship with somebody and build a relationship actually very fast without necessarily um, feeling like a used car salesperson and having, you know, come from the car business. Uh, I want other people to not feel that way having been in sales for a really long time and people's biggest complaint is they can't fill their funnel right so why why build it the way people have always done it if the wheel's not broken don't fix it but maybe the wheels are like outdated <laughs> maybe they need to be replaced maybe you're gonna slide through a stoplight because they're not working anymore so why not do it better why why not be more effective why not be more direct 
with what you're doing. Like people aren't direct. It blows my mind. They're like, well, I like working with people who blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, so you like working with people who have a pulse? Okay. Well, so is <laughs> how about we actually work with people who are, who are going to actually be qualified clients? Do you even know who those people are? Do you know who you are? And I, I think, you know, one of the reasons why like my company has taken off so well is because we're being direct. I'm not just saying, well, you know, I like working with everybody. It's like, no, I like working with this person, this person, this person. I want to work with this person, this person, this person. And now my, you know, people I'm networking with, they're like, okay, got it. Take a note. Awesome. I'm on, I'm on to the rest of my day. You told me exactly what I needed right then and there. It didn't take years to get to that point. Minutes. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you more about this in a minute, but just want to give a quick shout out to Paul Harrison, who said the LinkedIn live is working today. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Uh, and you said, did you change anything? No, I didn't. And I said to Christine before this started, I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm glad it's working. And he said, great conversation. So cheers, Paul. Appreciate so it. So far, so good. Yay. So far, so good. Let's not jinx it. Let's keep going. So I, there's a couple of things I want to ask you about here. Like one thing that I've I really feel like I've come to the realization of recently. Uh, it took me a while to get there, but that, you know, having like 20 like super powerful connections is actually a lot better for me personally in the niche that I'm in than trying to get like thousands of people to connect with me all the time. I, I feel like one of the big pushes uh, from like a lot of the coaches and consultants in the business space at the moment is like, uh, you know, just, you know, pump out those messages on LinkedIn and like, you got to do all this outbound marketing. Where, where do you stand on that? What, what do you think is, is important when it comes to that? So, um, so when I do, uh, education and, and actually teach people how to be intentional networkers, we talk about networking layering and this same method actually applies to clients. And we talk about time, communication, and effort. And there's a reason why those 20 people are at the top you're 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 putting the time effort and communication to them and they're doing the same they're giving it right back to you right same thing is with top clients and i i feel like that number might be different for different people but um i i agree like people that have i i see it on linkedin all the time they're like i have fifty thousand connections and i'm like okay like and that's doing what for you <laughs> like who do these people actually know who you are do they actually know what do they know what you do and i myself i only have like 2500 connections and i go through and regularly delete people and now i've actually gotten very like i was super sassy today and someone connected with me and they started just totally pitching me and i was like listen you know, I'll give you a chance, but like, I'm looking to connect with people. I'm looking to have genuine conversations. Like, can we talk more about like you? I don't want to just know about your business. Cause honestly, if I don't like you, I don't do business with you anyway. Right. And she continued to pitch me and I'm like, are you reading? Like, do you see what I'm putting down right now? Like, I'm going to just connect with you. Like, I don't care how much money you've made. I don't care how well you're doing. Like that means nothing if you can't even connect with me on a human level. And I tell this to people all the time. I'm like, your Rolodex is only as good as the people who know who you are. Mm -hmm. No one can advocate for you if they don't know you. Mm -hmm. So having hundreds of thousands of connections is only valid, in my opinion, if you have people who truly know who you are. And they're still not all going to be at the top, right? If everything's a triangle, 
your your top people are going to be in that section and that's going to be such a small percentage of your overall network those are your very top center of influences your power connectors your clients that are also in your network and i myself probably have like 30 or 40 yeah, it's, it's kind of like I was just thinking as you were saying that, like, because I went through on your LinkedIn uh, profile, you know, to prep for this call. And I noticed that you actually have also like, I'm not going to connect with you if you don't have a photo in your profile. <laughs> like there's kind of these rules, right? And I think that's actually super powerful because you've kind of set a bit of a boundary there about like, well, this is my expectation. Do you think that's something that like people need to be doing and actually saying, because like people like complain about spam a lot on LinkedIn specifically. Um, and I, I think it's kind of like, yeah, because you go like, well, why are these people connecting with me? Like, do we, should we not be as open? Should we kind of be a bit more specific about what it is we're looking for in our, in our network? Oh, hundred percent. I, I, I feel like people don't, people are beating around the bush all the time. I think you should be open to meeting everybody, including people that would be deemed like a competitor because they're not you. Like, they're just not you. Like, I, 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 I meet people at the time. And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm this big networker. I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And, you know, they might feel like um, we can't have a conversation because, oh, we're frozen. Oh, are we? I can see you okay, fine. Okay, you can still hear me up there. It's frozen on my screen. So I'll, just talk it. I'll just pretend it happened. Um, and I, I look at them and I'm like, okay, let's just, let's just, you know, go back to basics for a second. Like, do you know somebody else that has purple hair like me? No. Okay. So that's just one way that I'm different. And I can tell you there's a million other ways. So why can't we share resources? Why can't we collaborate? And I just, I feel it's so important to set expectations because people really honestly, like don't know how to talk about you or advocate for you. If you can't even tell people how to do that. So why not set expectations? Because once you do that, then people know, okay, well, I know what to expect from this person. I know how to move forward with this person. I know um, what they like and don't like, or if I even fit, you know, what they're looking for from a connection standpoint. And it honestly helps with boundary setting. We don't, in business, it blows my mind. And I'm totally guilty of this too. People don't set boundaries. They don't say no. Everyone has a scarcity mindset. So unfortunately we're taking on business that we have no business taking on. And then we complain because, Oh, well, this client is such a pain and, you know, pain in the rear. And, uh, I, I hate, I hate working with them or, you know, they're taking so much of my time. And I'm like, well, if you had set boundaries and set expectations, you probably would have never like started working with that client in the first place. Just want to give a couple more shout outs. So Christian Ryan said, I could not agree agree more Christine when you were talking about that that uh co competitor kind of space as well like it's it's worthwhile connecting with your competitors and Paul said uh network groups online have taken off what are your thoughts on networking groups versus building your own great question Paul um what's your thoughts Christine um so I own a networking company that we have built networking groups um I think they're definitely important to have but I think it's important to understand the types of networking groups that are out there so how we've differentiated ourselves from other other types of networking groups is we are not a leads-based group. So I don't think it makes sense to, to have a group where you come in to get a bunch of leads because we all know, like, let's just go back to school for a moment. Like, who didn't do their homework? Well, 
Do you think that correlates to business? Oh yeah, absolutely. You think people are going to bring in good leads? No, not all the time. So why would I want to be handed a bunch of leads that no one, no one truly vetted? Um, and they're just handing them to me and be like, call this person. They're, they're a good lead. And then come to find out it's garbage to me. That's a waste of time. That's very ineffective. So we run our groups around intentional relationship building and targets and talking about who you've met with and how can we continue to share resources? What are you working on? What are you having trouble with right now? Who are you looking to meet this week? Is it an individual? Is it a group of people? Is it, um, you know, a, a, a type of business that you're trying to get into because, you know, what, what solutions you offer you think will, will, will help that group of people. Um, again, it's very detailed and very specific. Yeah, I think this is a really good point because I've been to those networking kind of one of the more famous ones that everyone knows which one I'm talking about, but I won't name them. Uh, and I was just like one, I like felt like so out of place because I'm like, okay, like pretty much everyone here is old, white and male. <laughs> so that was the first yeah. issue I had. Not that, not that I don't get along with people who are old, white and male. I have lots of friends who are old, white and male. It was just very homogenous. That was my issue with it, right? So yeah. I, I'm not taking a stab at, at people just because of who they are. But just the homogeneity really bugged me. And then this kind of like, oh, the law of reciprocity and like all this stuff. And I was like, I feel like I'm in a cult. Like I feel like I just walked into a cult with all these expectations now around like how I should live my life based on this networking group. And I was like, there's no way I would ever come back here. But at the same time, I did meet a few awesome people and who have become friends and, and that's great. So, uh, you know, like, I mean, I feel like this can happen when people get together, right? You can end up with this sort of like, uh, you know, religious-y like cultish like thing. How do you avoid that? How do you kind of create a, a group that is egalitarian and is that is encouraging everyone to to bring their best and, and bring their unique selves to the table so um so it's funny like i've built a company you know with membership that's you know exclusive but inclusive so you know, attracting people that are introverts, for example, attracting people that are in businesses like multi-level marketing and maybe who look different and act different and have businesses that under normal circumstances, you know, other networking organizations might be like, oh, well, you know, you can't join us because you're weirdos. Like that's, that's the difference. And I think also, you know, what's, what's really separated us too is we attract like the people that stay with us are people that are genuine and kind-hearted to be quite honest with you like you actually give without expecting something in return reciprocity is a hundred percent the way to build a business but you cannot give with the intent that someone owes you something that's the difference and our methodology is based off of you are you are giving because you believe in it coming back at some point or another and if and in order for that to come back, you need to be able to share and you need to be able to be specific and detailed with exactly what it is that you want in return. So when it does come back, people fight all the time about quality. Well, I don't get quality clients. I'm like, did you ask for it? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you're assuming people know what you do. Yeah. Like everybody assumes well, they know what I do because I told them, I'm like, did you really? Because I doubt it. I really doubt it. If you asked your kids, your spouse, hey, do you know what I do for a living? Do you know the types of clients I work with? And I'm like, if they don't know how to answer that, how the hell do you expect anybody else 
They can't advocate for you like that. So we train every single member. Every single member goes through a 15 minute orientation with me and they do online training. It's actually the same training, but it's uh, through slides and it's verbally. Um, so they can listen and they can see it because everybody learns differently. Everybody's on the same page and our team leaders are members. So they have ownership in running their own communities and building their own communities around this structure and this methodology so that everyone is bringing something to the table. I don't care if you have five meetings a week or 50. Everybody has something to offer. I don't care if you're in sales. It doesn't matter. You have a right to network. I, everybody does. Everybody needs to be networking. You don't know where you might need something. And I think, you know, telling someone they're not valuable, I, I see that a lot in a lot of other networking groups. Well, you don't make enough money, you can't be in this, or you're B2C, we don't we don't work with people like you. And I'm like, they might be B2C now, but maybe they were B2B for the last 30 years and now they're just in a new business. Why would you exclude them? Mm -hmm. And you don't know who people know. That's that's the other thing. I love meeting people and there's, all, there's always that six degree of, of separation. And why would you limit yourself? I never want to limit myself. I want to know everyone everywhere. Even if my sole purpose of meeting that person is just to connect them to one person and that's it. That was my sole purpose of meeting them. And if everyone else thought like that, imagine how much business would get done. Imagine how much easier it is to close on a sale because people want to work with you rather than you tiptoeing around and being the eggshell mentality like that that's not going to close anything good luck <laughs> and it's so like I mean P Paul Harrison has another question which I'll which I'll ask in a second as well um but just quickly while I while I kind of think of this point like with the way that uh we're seeing business kind of go with the way we're seeing like with the future of work which is really now the new future of work because of COVID and like <coughs> the I kind of feel like the the networking aspect of this and understanding how to leverage your social capital has become so much more important because we're seeing like we're seeing a lot more micro businesses and small businesses and they kind of all have to work together to provide like clients with end-to-end -end solutions to provide yep. people with the things they need so what, what do you kind of think is going to happen like how do you think that we're going to see things move over, say, like the next 18 months. Like if you had a crystal ball, what would your crystal ball kind of predictions be? <laughs> um, well, honestly, like uh, I think more people are going to end up networking digitally. And we did it accidentally. Mm -hmm. uh, I automatically moved our groups to digital because we had to, but I didn't think the impact it would have on people being able to connect with people in other areas and states and countries and do that on a regular basis. And it, it was like, oh my God, like people should be doing this all the time. If you're doing business anywhere outside of a 50 mile radius, you need to be networking with people on a regular basis in other areas. You need them constantly advocating for you in those areas because you can't, you can't be in all places at once. And I think, you know, honestly, like pandemic couldn't have happened at a better time from a technology perspective, because a lot of people are fortunate enough to still have a business, still have a job, and they have access to things without ever leaving their homes. And imagine being able to build your business and have this, you know, great work-life balance where, you know, you can still be a parent, you can still, 
you know, if you're having to do school at home, you can and, you know, jump on Zoom meetings and just be more effective with your time. And I, and I think that's something that people are starting to realize, like, I can have a lot of Zoom meetings, I shouldn't be doing them one right after another. But I can have more Zoom meetings, there's no travel time, there's no downtime, there's, you know, I get these meetings done, I can connect people literally, while I'm on a call with them. And by the end of that call, I'm like, Oh, I'm done. I have nothing else further that I need to do. And I was doing that in meetings anyway. I would connect people while we were sitting there, but it's way easier when they can't necessarily see like, oh, hey, I'm just connecting to a bunch of people via LinkedIn. You don't know it until all of a sudden you have all these notifications. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, over the next 18 months, I think people are going to continue to try and find ways to still connect to people um, and do it safely. And, you know, there are some networking organizations that, they got to step it up. You know, you, you have to be able to adjust to people doing this digitally and have it be effective. I mean, look at some events that have transitioned digitally. They're not fun. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I feel like I'm literally just standing here watching a bunch of faces and this is like the Brady Bunch kind of situation. <laughs> like that's where people are moving their faces around. Like that's all it is. This is no fun. And I was, there's got to be a better way. And I started doing events because I was like, well, you know, I got to figure out how to do it digitally anyway. And I was like, we can still have 100% participation and do it digitally. I don't care if there's 10 people or 40, you can absolutely do it this way. Now I'll go back to Paul's question, which is specific for the area that Paul works in. So he said, what are the trends you see ahead in automotive sales and service? And will it go back to normal or will it have to change <coughs> given the new normal? Actually, it is kind of the question I was asking. So example, selling cars online, um, you know, where you don't actually get to see the car, um, there's some real challenges for the automo automotive industry. So what's your thoughts on that? So, um, Paul, I don't know if you looked at my LinkedIn profile, but I used to sell cars. Um, <laughs> you asked that to the perfect person. So um, back in 2012, I worked at an automotive dealership. I sold Toyotas. Um, I actually built the internet department at that dealership. It did not exist before I built it. Um, I was actually selling cars via email to people who had never seen the cars before, had never driven them, but they were Toyota people are super loyal. Um, so I actually think a lot of automotive dealerships are behind. Um, I don't know where you're located, but I've noticed a lot of car just places, even if they're, you know, the top sellers in the community, um, they don't all believe internet customers exist. And I find that super fascinating. And a lot of dealerships have what's called a BDC or business development center. And they have people that, you know, they take the leads and then, then they send them out to a salesperson, which in my opinion is not very effective because you have somebody who doesn't really have a lot of car experience trying to answer questions with someone that's probably just looking for pricing and not a lot of dealerships are set up to, <coughs> excuse me, um, do videos. Like why aren't they doing videos? And for the automotive industry to compete with like Carvana and some of the other ones that are coming out, you know, you have CarMax, some of the pure pricing type models, which I think we know don't really last um, because everyone wants to negotiate for a car. Um, dealerships honestly need to step up their internet game, plain and simple. They need to have video walkarounds. They need to do video conferencing with clients, do through Zoom. There's no reason why you can't sell a car contactless. And there's no reason why you can't sell a car it literally the person comes to the dealership to take the car. I did it all the time. And with the technology now, it's so easy to continue doing that. And honestly, for dealerships to also be successful, they need to ghost lead other dealerships to see what their prices are. So I did that when I worked at Toyota. Where I live, there's like 
five Toyota dealerships within a very small radius. So I sent leads out to those other dealerships to see how their response rate was, what their pricing models were on every car. And I literally built a pricing scale with my GM so that when I got leads into a dealership, I just sent out pricing. Like, Why go back and forth? No one likes buying cars that way anyway, right? And the quicker you get a price back to somebody, the more likely they're going to buy from that dealership, especially if it's quick and authentic. Don't send the gobbledy oh, why you should buy from us? Nobody cares. Like nobody cares about that. Stop doing that. So I, I honestly think that if, if dealerships can transition um, and do those things, which, you know, some of them may, some of them may not, they will be far more successful. They'll be, they'll be selling a lot more cars because it's just an easy way to do business. It's interesting, actually, because I just was thinking about this from my personal perspective, right? So in six months, I move up to Townsville, which is a different state. It's like, uh, like 20 hours by car to get there, right? So my husband and I are kind of like, right, okay, we have a Toyota. We have a very old Toyota. That will get left with my little brother, right? Like he's 16. He like needs a car. So we're like, cool, we're going to leave that with you. We're going to get a camper van because we've been wanting to get one anyway to drive up. But we actually need like a car for like just everyday use when we're up in Queensland. And we're not car people. We're just like, well, we need something that works and we kind of know what we like. So for me, like online is the best because I don't want to have to deal. I don't want to, I don't want to have to go into a car shop. I would much rather be like, cool. So when I get to Queensland, I can come and get the keys. Awesome. That's yeah. all I want. <laughs> right? No one likes buying a car. Like they just don't. <laughs> and if there's an easy way to do it. And I think that's the other thing, like sales in the automotive, like I literally could have an entire conversation about this, obviously, but like sales in the automotive industry is so archaic. It blow it blows my mind. Like it blew my mind when I worked there. It blows my mind now. And it's, it's been a decade, it's almost a decade later that I've been out of the business. And it, it, it's amazing how like, you know, dealerships just think that they can treat people the way they did in the eighties. And I'm like, it just doesn't work that way anymore. You just, you can't hold on to someone's keys and be like, well, we'll be right back in a minute. We're still appraising your car. I'm like, I see through that. The car hasn't moved in the parking lot. You're not doing anything. Stop saying you're appraising my, you know, my 2005 Honda. Like, stop it. So, so for people who aren't in the, in the uh, automotive industry, like this is happening elsewhere, right? Like, I mean, there's lots of industries that, and I think you're right, that point that you made before about like people are starting to realize, oh, hey, I can walk, work from home and hey, I can, I mean, I've got so many friends that I've never met who are in the US, they're in Europe, they're in New Zealand, like, which I just think is so cool. Like how amazing is it that you and I, we've never met in person, we live on opposite ends of the world and we can have a conversation like this, right? Yeah. Um, do you think there's like a pushback? Do you think there's a resistance to this change? What, what are you kind of saying there? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, um, I, I mean, there are some industries they're making people go back to work. Cause they're like, well, yeah, you got to work from home, but you know, that's over. Um, we got to go back to normal life. And I'm like, your business was still running because people were working from home. Like we know that it can be done. Um, I, I think people don't trust people plain, plain and simple. So technology aside, People are like, well, if they're home, then they're, they're going to be doing other things. I'm like, why does that matter? Do you honestly think like any employers out there, like, let's just talk about this for a second. Do you honestly think your employees work from nine to five? Because if you do, you are living in some false reality because they don't. People don't need 40 hours a week to do their job. And I, I've actually been reading studies about 
people that work from home actually work more hours. And if you like your job, you put more time in. So, you know, let's, let's stop with the, the clock and stop worrying about, well, you know, they didn't quite put the hours in this week. I can tell you like there are sometimes I put, you know, minimal hours and then there's sometimes I'm working weekends and nights. It just depends on what's going on and what I'm working on. I don't need 12 hours a day to do my job. But there are some days I do 12 hours and the next day I do five. And there are some days I do four because I'm like, it's nice and I'm taking my kid to the pool, right? Like, that's the thing, like employers need to understand when your employees are happy, they're going to put the time in. If there's timelines for things, then you set those parameters and you set those expectations. But outside of that, people don't like nine to five doesn't need to exist anymore unless you work at a bank. And even then, like, what if you work outside those hours and you can't get to the bank? Like, I know that that irritates me. I'm like, really? The one time I have to go to the bank, you guys decide to close at three today. Cool. Awesome. hundred percent, right? It's kind of like, oh, I just realized we've been talking for almost half. I feel like we could talk for a really long time. Well, we've got to wrap, <laughs> wrap up in a second. But like to bring this back to, you know, what we're talking about today, which is networking like for let's give people some like sort of actions they can they can take so for people who are like okay you know I I have to be more proactive on LinkedIn I need to start thinking about how I can grow my influence and grow my brand through online channels uh you know which can include things like virtual events what are some steps they can start taking to to kind of be a part of that world um so i mean aside from following people who are are active on linkedin so like you know connecting with people you see posting on a regular basis because you're naturally gonna it's just gonna be easy to participate um but honestly just like a quick linkedin revamp of your profile so having a, a you know a professional photo having a cover photo you know that tagline under your name shouldn't be you know you know, salesperson at blah, 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 like have it be like something interesting because people only see that a lot of the times when they click and connect with people. So you want it to be as interesting as possible. So I change mine actually every four to six weeks um, because then that actually helps with people seeing like, oh, there's something new and fresh on the profile. Um, in the about me sections, stop putting what you do and like, you know, stuff about professional stuff like that should really be about you and more about like what you're about, like what you're interested in. Uh, Maybe other like quirks about you or like a list of like, this is why I won't connect with you type thing like I do. Um, And then there's, there's some actually really great tools for getting content out on a regular basis. So I have um, automated content, automated content. Oh, I had an accent there. Uh, Automated content that goes out on a regular basis. I use grapevine6.com. It's free and you can actually schedule posts. There's actually um, recommended stuff that you can actually have built into there based on your personal and professional preferences. So you can have articles and like I have recipes that go out. Um, I have some automated posts that I've built. Um, Like I have a connection train that goes out every Tuesday. Um, Other ways to just really build up your network is actually genuinely connect with somebody and say, hey, I'd love to connect with you and see what kind of synergies we have. I'd love to add someone like you to my Rolodex because I think you would be valuable for my clients. Usually no one is going to say no to those things. You're not spamming them with this weird DM um, about how amazing you are and your products will change their life and how much money they're going to make. It's pretty easy. And I mean, honestly, being a part of, you know, 
networking organizations that are trying to do things differently. They're trying to be more community oriented, um, especially if that's something that is motivating for you. It's not leads based. That's also going to be really helpful too, because I, I feel like when it's not leads based, the pressure is gone. You're, you're not forcing someone to do something that they're like, well, I'm forcing leads to for this person and I know nothing about them. So people bring in garbage and that just causes resentment and like all this other stuff. So don't, you know, don't be a part of things like that. Cause I feel like it's just, it's, it's hard to grow out of an organization um, that's, that's focusing on those things and, and try different things. Like you don't know what's going to work for you. I, I don't, you know, there's BNI out here. There are, you know, chamber organizations, try things out for a couple months and see what you got out of it. You know, how many connections did you get? Were they valuable connections? Um, did you get any business out of it? And if it doesn't work, that's okay. But at least you tried it and you, you got to make sure that it was a good or good, you know, good or not a good fit. Good. In. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I did say we we're going to finish up, but I just saw Naomi Lambert's post and I did want to ask you this question because it's a great one. Thanks, Naomi, which is, do you think we can network too much? Um, it depends on what, like, I'm curious to know if there's probably a situation that happened that she asked that question. Um, if you are genuinely networking, you can never network too much, but that shouldn't be all you're doing. You need to work in your business and on your business. So, you know, building your business is important and networking is a part of that. If you are doing that 24 hours a day, yes, you are doing way too much. If it's causing you to work late at night because you're not getting your work done, you're doing it too much. In my opinion, to be quite honest with you, like for myself. So if anybody else wants to know like how much I actually network, I will tell you. So I run two of my own ripple effects recon groups twice a week. That's two hours. I do a round table on Mondays, which is an hour and every other Thursday. So twice a month, I do a happy hour. That's an hour and a half. That's it. I don't do any other type of networking aside from like, you know, one-on-ones, but those aren't always networking. So, um, and even then I have like, 20 meetings a week. So I'm not doing anything else. I'm very specific and efficient with my time. And it kind of goes back to what we started off. You started off talking about at the beginning of this conversation was like where you're putting your effort, like with that kind of pyramid of like your priorities as well. And Naomi did say there wasn't a situation just a thought. And I think, I think it's a really valid point because like I definitely had that thing when I first like started identifying as like I'm an entrepreneur like four years ago and I was like I have to go to all these networking things and you can you can burn yourself out if you're like going every night yeah. and then you're like how do I do everything else so I think it's I think it's a really valid point and it's great to hear how you actually structure it it sounds like also what you've done Christine is you've got like these are my weekly habits these are my weekly habits they're the non-negotiables that I do and then everything else kind of fits around it would it be fair to right. say that? Right. Absolutely. And it's something that um, I think, you know, we're, we're actively teaching other people to do the same thing because people have done the same thing you have. They go to everything. They're like, well, I have to go network. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, no, that's not what networking is. That's literally just, you might as well just have yourself as a billboard and stand in a bunch of places because that's pretty much what you're doing. You're not building relationships. You're handing out your card to people. That's not the same thing. You need to do things more intentionally. And first we need to start out having a conversation about what you are doing to do that. How are you having these conversations? Because if you're not having good conversations, nothing's going to come out of it anyway. You're going to be wasting, like you're literally going to be wasting your breath with people. You're going to be spending hours daily and weekly talking with people about nonsense. And you're going to leave that meeting. You're like, well, that was a waste of time. It shouldn't, that should never happen. It should always be a good use of your time. 
Now, for some reason, you're, we could hear you, but your sound just went a little bit weird there, but it's kind of okay because we're just about to wrap up anyway. So for people, obviously people can come and connect with you on LinkedIn. They should probably read yep. your rules first. Um, how else can they find out about Ripple Effects and, and what you're doing? Um, so Ripple Effects is on the LinkedIn page. We also have a website. Um, our member portal is not, is not up yet. We're still finishing up testing. So don't try and join that way. But you can join. We actually have, um, we're working on our 12th group right now. Um, a lot of them are based out of the US, but we're trying to grow in other countries because the methodology works anywhere in the world. Um, so if that's something that people are interested in, we actually have an info session every Wednesday at two o'clock Eastern time. So people can check that out. It's 15 minutes, so you can learn a little bit more about what we're about, the groups that we're running, um, and everything else that, that comes along with Ripple Effects. Um, and it's not spelled like you think, so I'm sure you'll post it, but um, people think it's spelled like Ripple Effects, like, you know, in the water. Um, but it's spelled a little bit differently, and that's that's purely to, to kind of separate us a little bit. Yeah, I, I like it. I like the way you spell it. it. Makes me think. Yeah, I will definitely post all of that in the the comments as well. Christine, thank you so much for your time today. It's been awesome chatting with you, and thank you everyone for your questions as well. Some great questions there too. Yeah, thanks everyone for uh, for for posting those questions, and obviously, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right, see you later, everyone. All right, so that's it for me for this week. Happy Friday. Uh, if you enjoyed that, jump on Twitter, jump on LinkedIn, wherever you like to be on social, spread the word, share it with others. Really appreciate it. I'll be back on Monday for a Monday motivation episode. Fresh, new, straight off the, I want to say like straight off the press, but it doesn't really make sense for a video <laughs> and a podcast show. Uh, so yeah, I'll see you on Monday. Can't wait. I'll be back at it nice and refreshed, hopefully. Uh, and yeah, have an awesome, awesome weekend until next time. Remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place.